Welcome to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. Welcome to the second episode of The Failure of Christians, A Plea for Renewal. We were talking about the role of prophets in the first session, and when God calls a prophet or someone to speak prophetically, the reaction of the prophet is usually, oh, great, why me? That's the way I feel sometimes. I'm not really a prophet by gifting, but there are some things that need to be said. You know, the truth is anybody who likes blasting out the truth and challenging people and reminding them of the bad news, anybody who really likes that probably needs counseling. I uh, personally like people to like me. And most normal people do. Most people don't like conflict. Not many people, including most pastors, like to introduce conflict. But sometimes the hard word needs to be said. Sometimes God needs to get our attention. I remember the story about Marvin the mule. A guy bought a mule and bought it from another farmer down the road. And he got the mule to hook him up to the plow. He couldn't get Marvin moving. And so he called the other farmer and said, you know, this mule just doesn't move. It just won't do anything. It's just standing here. The other farmer said, yeah, I'll be right over. And he came over and brought a two by four with him. And he got right in front of uh, Marvin, the mule and whack hit him right on the head and his knees buckled. and He went down. Then he got up. And uh, the guy who bought the mule from this other farmer said, what in the world did you just do? You could have killed him. And the guy said, no, no, it won't kill him. He's pretty hard-headed. But you got to understand, if you want him to plow anything, first of all, you got to get his attention. Well, I'm not calling anybody a mule here, but we're all mule-headed sometimes. And so, for whatever it's worth, if the shoe fits, you know, put the thing on. And let's start moving for Jesus. Anyway, yeah, I don't know how people live in occupations where they are always going after people, you know, like prosecutors, attorneys, my goodness. Those people are really special or need help or some kind. I don't know. But yeah, I got a lot of friends that are attorneys, and I don't mean to insult my dear friends, but man, I don't know how you do it. I wouldn't want to be prosecuting someone all the time. But sometimes the hard word is good, and I'm praying that this is one of those times. So here's what God wants to do, and that's why we need to look at these hard facts, is because he wants to call our nation back to God. He wants to call our nation back to himself. And you know, this is not the first time. It's part of a cycle that nations go through, and they move down a bad road, and they fall away from God, and then they come back, but they have to have some people to say the hard facts to kind of get their attention, not with a two-by-four, but with some words from God. If you look at First uh, and Second Chronicles, you'll see how this happened over and over again, the cycle of Israel, down in the dumps, away from God, and prophets come along, and they run them out of town, and they come back, and they do it again, and finally God gets their attention, things get so bad, they got to do something, and they repent and come back to God, and the cycle is good, and they're with God, and everything's good in the land, and the cycle continues, and pretty soon they get fat and lazy, and then they fall off the spiritual wagon, and then it starts all over again. So even though prophets don't win popularity contests, it's hard to be a prophet. I mean, they speak, they get ridiculed, sometimes they get killed, but they speak and they keep speaking as long as they can. God raises up another one after another, whoever can get their attention. And we understand that believers at first repel the truth because it's hard to hear a challenge like that. Even little kids don't like to be reprimanded. But 
as life gets worse in the nation, people begin to listen. And I think we're there. I really do. And I'm praying you're one of those people where God just got so much holy discontent in you that you can hardly stand it anymore. And if you want to learn more about holy discontent, you can take a survey from Church Doctor Ministries, or you can look at that in the book, Who Broke My Church? I'll talk about that a little bit later. But first of all, we got to talk about this repentance thing. Repentance is a turnaround. It's a turnaround from our own ways to God's ways. It means changing a direction. And yes, it has to do corporately with the church, but it also has to do personally with every individual. So what has to happen is the Christian has to understand that individually we have failed the nation. Collectively as a church, we have failed the nation. Collectively as churches, not all of them, but collectively the masses of churches have failed the nation. Not every church and not any one church, but not any one church all the time, but overall there's just not enough momentum and it's not enough momentum for impact and people ought to get that. It ought to make a little sense to a lot of people. I hope it does for you. So what's happening is that collectively we are not moving the needle. We are not really making a difference. It's not enough. We're not moving the society. Uh, we're not even casting a shadow in many cases. Of course, there are some great exceptions. A great Christian film comes out. There's a great Christian church here or there that's doing a great job. And I know some of those churches. I've worked with some of those churches. Some of those churches I haven't worked to, but I've discovered, and I take people to those churches and show them what they can learn. It's just amazing. It changes their lives. We do these mission excursions to England as well to look and talk to these key leaders who have been through what we're going through, but 20 years ago. They're 20 years ahead in this cycle, so we can learn from them. And we think that these people that we expose our groups to every year that go over there, we just think that those people are like a classroom of the future for us. And so why not learn what's ahead and get ready for it from people that have been there? And, uh, oh gosh, everybody we take, probably, I don't know, over 250 people so far, everybody comes home and says, I'll never be the same. Somehow you can talk about it. You can write about it in books like I do. You can do workshops. And some people catch on to that. But man, when you see it over there in England, or when you see it at a church that's really moving here in America, it's experiential and somehow it grabs you better. It's not the only approach for everybody, but for some people, it's just the right thing. Um, and so we, we come to grips with this drift from kingdom culture. That's what it's really all about. We've drifted from the kingdom culture. You know, Jesus said the kingdom of God is like this and that and the other thing. Well, if you get back to those parables, those stories that Jesus told, that's the drift issues. We are drifting from what Jesus said his kingdom is like. And he said his kingdom's not like this world. So we don't want to be like this world in every way. And so especially when it it comes to what it means to be church and what it means to make a difference in our communities one person at a time. What it means to be a missionary to our social networks one person at a time. Now, if all of this is challenging, I get that. And, you know, Jesus had a lot of challenges for the disciples. So, you know, it's not like it didn't ever happen before. It's not meant to offend you. But sometimes you just got to do, you just have to say, whatever it takes, we need to change. So there are indeed a lot of people in our churches that don't get it. We got to love those people into and out of their complicity and their comfortable pew, move them and love them out of that comfortable pew 
out of the oasis, out of the consumer mentality, and to say, you know, it's okay to learn, grow, have kumbaya, love at the church, and potlucks till we're fat and sassy and all the rest, all that's fine. Unless it's an excess, it's just fine. But that's not going to win the world. We, we are also need to be discipled to become missionaries, every single one of us. That just means sent people. And so we can be people that make a difference, not just when we're gathered together at church, but every single day of our lives, everywhere we go, everyone we meet. That's really what it's all about. And when that happens, God shows up. He's promised to. I mean, that's who he is. When he's in us, changes the world. When we let him use us to be those missionaries. Bottom line, our retreat must become an advance. It's why I wrote the book, Who Broke My Church? Seven Proven Strategies for Renewal and Revival. It's why I wrote the discussion guide for that book called The Group Gathering Discussion Guide, Who Broke My Church? It's a 14-week adventure in kingdom culture for groups. Now, here's the approach of that, because this is an important dynamic. If a pastor reads Who Broke My Church, that's great. It's an intellectual exercise if it stays there. And that's not why I wrote the book. I didn't write the book because I like to write books or anything like that. It's because I want to help churches. It's okay to help a pastor get a few insights intellectually by reading the book. But I'll tell you what, you got to get people involved in the book. But more than that, you need to get them in small groups with their peers in the church to discuss it with each other and follow the discussion guide. And the reason for that is that when you discuss things, you process them and you internalize them. You learn from one another. You get to voice your discomfort, which is really important, and your nuances of moving in a path of learning and growing. That's why the disciples hung around together. They were a group and they could discuss things with Jesus. And when he was gone, they discussed things. And so you need to be able to say, you know, what challenges you? What makes you uncomfortable? What makes you mad? It's okay. It really is okay to be upset with the way things are at church, not in a vicious way or a legalistic way, but in a loving way to say, hey, you know, we got to change. I got to change. I'm not happy with myself. That's the beginning. That's God stirring in our hearts and in our lives. And so what if God wants to light a fire under your sorry behind? Is that so bad? And what if he wants to light a fire under the sorry behinds of the leaders of your church, the members of your church? Is that really so bad? Come on, sometimes we need fire. Fire doesn't just painful. Sometimes a fire is light. It shows the way. It points the way. So how is God going to tell you this? How is God going to share this? Um, you know, through some fools that are prophets that are so distraught, so concerned, so excited about what could happen, about, you know, to reach the millions of people in a nation, and these people are going to hell, and God cares about this. Jesus died for these people, and he wants his Christians, he rose up Christians like us to reach these people and put us in churches to reach these people. So if Jesus died for us, can't we live for them, those people in our world that are lost? without Jesus. So we need to move from a retreat to become an advance. We need to move from a defense to an offense. You never score points on defense. And so, yeah, there are people around that complain about our negative society, and they want to defend the truth of the Bible and talk about how people are so bad because the Bible is so far from their understanding of life. And that's great. You need to do that. You know, I believe the Bible is entirely true. 
and accurate and appropriate, every word of it. But the truth is you can't sit around and moan with each other about that and talk about how bad the world is and stuff like that. Eventually, it's got to stir your soul, get you off your behind, and get you out there in offense because it's the only way that you score to win, not the game, but win your neighbor, win your community, win the world, win our nation back to Jesus. So basically it means to recapture the mission individually and collectively in your church. Now, if you're a leader, that may be an overwhelming and daunting challenge. I get that. I was there once as a pastor many years ago. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today if I hadn't been challenged, just terribly challenged in a ministry situation where I had no clue and I had to get help. So maybe you need to get help. Maybe you need a coach, someone to talk to, someone to learn from. Maybe your church needs a consultant. Maybe your church needs to hear from an outsider who's an expert. Heck, when I don't feel very well for a while, I go to the doctor. I just suck up my pride and say, I got to see a doctor. Well, if your church is not all that well and not all that productive, maybe you need to see a church doctor. I don't mean that as an advertisement. Go see anybody. Get anybody you want. I don't care. But get help from someone who knows what they're talking about. Because sometimes you just can't do it by yourself. You can't self-diagnose. You're too close to the issue. You're not necessarily trained to diagnose the ills of your church. And so get help like you do when you go to the doctor. So we've got to get over this idea that we're going to fix everything. Sometimes we need to reach out and invite someone in. And I know it's scary. It is scary, especially if you're not all that secure. And right now, in a losing situation, most of our church leaders are not secure. And fair enough. I get it. I understand. And you don't have to apologize for that. But just pray about this. We just got to get over this idea that people are going to walk into our church this is a post-Christian nation. You can't invite people to church anymore. They don't even know what it means. We're looking at second-generation pagans in our nation. So we need to do that. Another thing you need to do is discover your spiritual gifts. If you know your spiritual gifts, help everybody in your church to discover their spiritual gifts. Get a spiritual gift survey. There's lots of them out there. We have them at Church Doctor Ministries. Then go through a Bible study on spiritual gifts. There's lots of those out there. We have one too. Go with whatever works. Get something that'll help you and help people discover that they all have unique spiritual gifts. It's one of the two basic keys to revival. The second one is my next recommendation, and that is move to the idea that everyone is a minister. In Ephesians 4, it says God has given leaders to the church to do what? Equip all of God's people to do the work of ministry, not to do the work of ministry for them. We'll talk about that in another episode. And uh, you might want to look at a resource like Six Faces of the Christian Church, How to Start a Fire in a Lukewarm Church. It's a Bible study for small groups. And it's about what it means to be church. And it talks about the priesthood of all believers. That's the other second. So spiritual gifts on the one hand and the priesthood of all believers or everyone is a minister are the two key elements of every revival. You want to have a revival in your church and have your church bring revival to America? Start with those key things. The other issue is a little bit tougher, and that is 
pastors are not trained to be missionaries. Somewhere along the line, we got an idea that America was a Christian country. So if you want to be a missionary, that meant going somewhere far away to some pagan country. And therefore, you'd have to go to mission school after seminary or Bible college if you're a pastor. Then you'd be additionally trained to be a missionary. Well, the truth is, we are on a mission field. We always have been a mission field. But we got this false notion, the devil's lie, that this is not a mission field. And so I understand that you weren't trained if you're a pastor, or your pastor, if you're not a pastor, your pastor was not trained in all likelihood, to be a missionary. I wasn't trained to be a missionary, and I took all the education you could get. I went through four years of a Christian college. I went through four years of a Christian seminary. I stayed on and did three years of a doctoral program and got a PhD in theology, and I still didn't know how to be a missionary. I had to go on further and learn how to be a missionary. But you know what? We have workshops for pastors and ministers and ministry leaders about beginning to learn how to be a missionary. You know, a one-day workshop isn't going to do it everything, but it can start you on the basics. We have a video series called The Damascus Road that gives missionary training. It's called The Damascus Road, where Christians become missionaries. You can use it over and over and over again. Train everybody. It's not, you know, the whole nine yards. It's not everything if you're going to be a professional missionary full time. It's a start, man. Every journey starts with a step. So I just beg you, take some steps. It can be done. There are resources. There are people that can help you. Whoever they are, whoever you choose, make sure they know what they're doing and become people who want to be part of the solution of our nation. And we'll talk more about those solutions when we go to episode three. And until then, God bless you. Just take these words from the heart from me, from the heart of God, and consider what God wants you to do. Pray about it. Ask yourself, what is God saying to you? And what are you going to do about it? You have been listening to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. If you've liked this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to hear future episodes. Check out Kent Hunter's new book, Who Broke My Church? Seven Proven Strategies for Renewal and Revival, available now wherever books are sold.